Welcome to the Druids Grove, where we discuss all things related to Druids, their history, current day practices, and how to build a deeper connection and relationship with the earth. I'm so glad you're here. If you find what I have to share helpful, please subscribe and share with others that may enjoy it, and check the show notes for more information. Come on in, relax for a bit, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome back, and thanks for joining in. Last time, we talked about the history of the Druids from as far back as we can see with written records up until the first century AD when they were wiped out. So today we will talk about the history of the Druids from the first century AD up until today. Druidry stems from a Celtic tradition, which we talked about before, and there is currently a debate on Celtic Reconstruction versus Celtic Revivalism. Celtic Reconstruction is looking back at the history of how the Druids practiced and try to reconstruct that today. Celtic Revivalism is taking what we know from the previous practices and developing it and evolving it and applying it into today's culture. So there's currently a debate about which one of those would be most accurate for practice. So looking back as far as we know, for about 1700 years, up until the mid-1700s, we didn't really hear anything about the Druids. The writings were still out there, there just wasn't any formal practice. In the 1770s, industrial society started to emerge. Industrialization, machines, people were forming into bigger cities. Uh, Many people were thriving to get back to participating in nature and getting back in touch with nature. And there were people that found writings about the Druids and, and studied their connection to nature and wanted to work on preserving the environment and getting away from the machines and the city and the industrialized dirty spaces and get back to nature. These people mostly gathered for literary studies and social groups and looked at cultural preservation. As with any organization or groupings, there were some arguments and some people split off and formed their own various sects and groups, uh, primarily with non-religious beliefs. Uh, Some of these groups developed spiritual practices and ceremony based on Freemasonry. Uh, One group was called the Ancient Order of the Druids. Uh, There were also some others. Uh, There was a man named William Stuckley. He was an Anglican vicar and an antiquarian. For some reason, out of nowhere, he said that he is a descendant from the ancient Druids and goes back all the way to the original Druids. And he started writing books about Druids and talked about the megalithic monuments and ceremony and practices and said that he had had these teachings that were handed down through his family to him, and he thought it was a good time to open up and try to get people to gather around and allow him to lead them in these druidic practices. Around that time, uh, there was another gentleman named Edward Williams. He took on the name Iolo, I-O-L-O, Morgwang, M-O-R-G-W-A-N-G. I'm probably butchering his name. He was from Wales, and he protested the English occupation and advocated for Welsh nationalism to help maintain their connection to nature. Welsh culture at that time and today still has their own history and cultural practices and relationship with the land, which is different from England. He wanted to help preserve this connection to nature and their history. He also said he was a descendant of the ancient Druids. Uh, He formed a group to perform rituals on 
a famous Druid site today called Primrose Hill. He organized um, some, some people into various groups of bards and ovates, which they would perform certain parts of ceremonies depending on what grade they were and what, where they were at in their studies. And he worked to make it a more of a religious practice. And by the 1840s, there was a large religious push of Druidry trying to develop it into uh, an actual spiritual practice or religion rather than a literary group and an environmental conservationist group. Um, in the early 1900s, uh, Druid started, Druidry started spreading across England. Uh, it was kept underground at that time. There was a, a law called, called the Witchcraft Law in England, and if anyone was caught practicing any type of nature-based spiritual practice anywhere, they would be persecuted and they would be hanged being accused of practicing witchcraft. So what people had to do, they had to meet outdoors or in people's houses very secretly away from other people because they were afraid that they would be persecuted. In 1951, the Witchcraft Act of 1735 was expelled so people could practice openly. They could go out and do their previous nature-based spiritual practices and do them out in the open without fear of being persecuted. And when people heard about this, people that were interested in it also were more open to it and came out and started joining in. So some of the practices that they were using were based on principles of the Golden Dawn. You can look, look up that information. Uh, Freemasonry and other ceremonial magic. So the, the premise was to have a very formal spiritual practice set up in a ceremony so anyone could enter and learn at the basic level and progress through the ranks. And wherever people went, they knew how the ceremony would go and that could all work together to work together to practice their spiritual practices. So as people became more and more open, um, some people started emerging as leaders. And one of the first leaders in this nature-based spiritual practice was named Gerald Gardner. He was inducted into a Wicca coven. Of course, it was underground, and this was in the 1920s. At that time, it wasn't called Wicca, but that's the principles that they were working with, was witchcraft, which we talked about earlier is not uh, the negative connotation of witchcraft and Satanism that we think of today. It was more about nature-based spiritual practice and working with the elements. So in the 1950s, he started calling it Wicca and naming the practitioners witches and recruiting people that were interested in having gatherings. There was a gentleman there named Ross Nichols. So he was also practicing Wicca, but he wanted a more intellectual approach and to connect to nature and the elements and the environment and to study them and, and relate with them and to appreciate them rather than to control and manipulate these elements and to try to use them for gain his own gain. Ross Nichols uh, started modern-day Druidry. He formed the Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids in 1964, and from then on it carried on and, and was underground for quite some time, and the, uh, the gentleman that recently required, uh, retired from the leader of Obod, he was initiated when he was 18 or 16, I believe, in the in the 70s, I think it was, and he carried on Obod and helped it grow to what it is today, and he actually just retired a few years ago after leading for, I want to say around 30 or 35 years, he was the leader of Obod. So looking at today, it's hard to find estimates on how many Druids are out there today. 
Um, I've found estimates between 30 and 60,000, but currently there are over 30,000 people in the order of bards, ovates, and druids alone. As I mentioned before, I'm a member of OBOD. Um, they do a lot of outreach uh, to kind of spread information about Druidry. They don't really promote it, but they do provide some information out there. Uh, a new feature they recently started is, it's called Tea with a Druid. You can look it up on YouTube, just type in Tea with a Druid. And every Monday night, the leader of the OBOD organization, which is now a, a different person, but the previous gentleman started it, and they pick a topic and talk about it and people join in on YouTube and ask questions and have chat and it's pretty interesting. One of the podcasts that I really enjoy, uh, Obod puts out, it's called Druidcast. So if you just go to any podcast player and type in Druidcast, you can, you can find that. I think they're getting close to 200 episodes now and it's really great to have uh, pagan music. They have lots of interviews. They teach a little bit about Druidry. So Obod is set up in a very structured format. You start with the bard grade, which can take at least a year, but sometimes people take much longer, and some people never get out of the bard grade. It just depends on what you're comfortable with, what you enjoy. Uh, the bard, which we will talk about extensively later, is more about creative expression, connecting to the elements, learning about uh, learning about nature and expressing it through various elements such as poetry, creativity, music, art, literature, that kind of thing. And then after that, you have to apply and be accepted to the Ovate grade, which is where I currently am. Uh, the Ovate looks, as I spoke about earlier, deeply into the nature of things. It does not. It, it also utilizes the elements of bard creativity and creative expression, but you get more into studying tree lore and plant lore, animal lore, working with uh, shamanism, animism, and, and kind of looking under the surface of things. I know that's kind of vague, but that's that's about as much as I can say about it. Um, after you complete the Ovate grade, you go on to the Druid grade. Of course, you have to apply and have to be accepted. I'm not sure exactly what that entails. My understanding is it incorporates the Bard and the Ovate grade into more of a um, external teaching role, um, kind of tying it all together and and presenting it out to the world. So it, it could look you could look up starting your own seed grove or grove or seed group, uh, collect, get, getting people around that are very interested in Druidry and kind of helping to establish a place for, for people to come and get together. Of course, you can stop at any time. You can just stop at the Bardic grade, and if you enjoy that, many people do that, and, and just stay in that grade and, and practice that, and that's how they do their Druidry. So there are other organizations. Um, one of the older ones in the United States is the Ancient Order of Druids of America. They were in existence for quite a while. Um, they kind of fell off, and then in the 80s, uh, this this gentleman was, he found the group in some magazines, and he wrote to them, became interested, and he showed up, and there were like maybe, he said, 10 or 15 older gentlemen, and they just weren't really doing very much, and he wasn't sure what to do with it, so he asked if he could take on the lead and kind of help build it up, and he's built it up quite a bit, and that's a pretty. I think that's the second largest Druid organization in the world today. The way they are structured, they're also they call them degrees, three degrees. So the first degree, um, you learn about various rituals and practices. You explore the Bard, Ovate, and Druid grade, and kind of look at which one you might be interested in pursuing. The focus is on nature, um, learning about the elements, 
and nature in general. The second grade is about connecting humans to nature. So it's reading about Druidic philosophy, ecology, agriculture, uh, looking at the space around you and seeing how you can improve your environment. You get deeper into ritual practice, and then you choose if you want to pursue a bard, ovate, or druid path. The third degree, you move beyond kind of the established patterns of the practice that they have talked about and taught you, and you kind of build your own druidic practice. And you pick a project, and you work on establishing that project. And for instance, I think some of them are, are reading a certain number of books about the local ecology of your area and getting involved in ecological preservation. There are some religious organizations of druidry. I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, the ADF, or it's called a Druid Fellowship, but the ADF stands for Ardroit Fein, and I'm not saying that right, and I'm sorry. <laughs> it is a nonprofit religious organization in the United States. They have um, religious status. They have religious ceremonies. They have their own teachings. It is a, an actual Druid religion. If you are interested in that, you can look that up as well. So this is just a brief history of, of Druidry up until today and kind of how it got established and evolved. It has, it has really, with the advent of social media, has really just taken off. I mean, there are podcasts, there are YouTube videos, there's tons of, of books out there that you can write, uh, read. Sorry, um, Many of them come, come from a pagan or Wiccan background and then, like me, kind of branched off and found Druidry historically and then just worked on developing that. There's a lot of uh, Celtic spirituality books and Celtic Druidry books, Welsh Druidry books. You just have to look around and find the authors. Even though there are many different types of Druidry, they all share the same common aim, you know, the spiritual connection to nature that we talked about, protecting the environment, uh, being connected and loving the earth around you. There's a, there's a phrase in Druidry about taking care of your, the square mile around you. You know, to, that was probably before, you know, cars were very common, but today uh, we could expand that to, you know, your local town or city. You know, you may live in a city and not have much access to nature, but there, you know, you may find some trees around you or little patches of grass or weeds creeping up through the sidewalk and where someone may want to pull them or kill those weeds. You know, you can develop a relationship with it and acknowledge it and see how it's connected to the rest of the natural world and appreciate that. So I hope this has provided you a little bit of information about the history of Druidry up until from the first century up until today. Um, again, I am not an expert. I'm just kind of providing a little bit of reference information. You can get online and, and find a lot more out there about that. So next episode, we're going to look at current day Druidry and paganism and types of practice. And we're going to go a little bit more in-depth about how it is practiced today. Thank you. Rebirth in Snow, Initiation Ceremony Cleansing bright light obscures darkness, a new source of purpose and change. A journey through time and through wood, there is a ceremony to arrange. Traversing a bridge over babbling brook, searching longingly for the perfect nook. Blue and gray skies with spots of mossy green, the footprints of forest animals hoping not to be seen. Over hills and through valleys to find the perfect grove, connection to nature and knowledge to be bestowed.
the elements of nature and the animal spirits were called, seeking that wisdom, peace, and love would be given to all. Kernunos and Brigid answered the heed. Blessings were given, consecrating the deed. The flame is extinguished, spreading peace and harmony. I begin my own journey down the path of the Druid. Thank you so much for joining in at the Druid's Grove. I thoroughly enjoyed sharing this time and information with you. I hope you learned something and are inspired to build a connection to the earth and the world around you. If you liked what was shared, please feel free to give back at Buy Me a Coffee. Join me on Substack, where I have transcripts, or listen on YouTube, and find the group on social media. For more information, check the show notes. I'll see you in the Grove. Until next time.